Should we sink? Matt said Just first. Waiting on y'all. Oh, I'm. Um, Go ahead and yeah, say I'll it, Kathy. Try, I'll try GarageBand. Uh, it's been crashing on me every time. I don't know. Why. Did you try turning it off and back on again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Stop using Apple. Is one suggestion. <laughs> Okay. I use Apple. It's fine. <laughs> fine. Like not optimal. Okay. We'll <laughs> I just I have this feeling that Clay's audio is going to go out today just because of how cocky he is. <sighs> Bruh, I got a I got a new I got a new and improved machine right now. That's how it always starts. You sound like the captain of the Titanic. This ship is unsinkable. <laughs> what ship? We're on a ship? This relationship, Kathy. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. I don't... You know... Welcome to episode 345 of the Fascinating Podcast. A show about the fascinating people and events at the heart of our cultural conversations. I'm Clay Morgan. I'm J.R. Foresteros. I'm Kathy Kong. And I'm Matt Michalotis. Uh, we were supposed to have Karen Gonzalez on this week, uh, but as sometimes happens when, like us, you do this kind of stuff on the side, your main hustle gets in the way. And so we've had to reschedule with Karen. Uh, she is still very excited to be on, and we're going to have her back very soon to talk about her new book, uh, Beyond Welcome. But uh, we didn't want to have a, a week go by without a show, so we decided we would just kind of... Uh, do some housekeeping. We're going to we're going to do a feral hogs update. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've been into. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania. So uh, not your regularly scheduled program, but one we still think you'll enjoy. Uh, but first, Clay, welcome back. Uh, have missed you at the beginning of this season. Thank it's you. Thank to be you. Back on, on the show. It's great to be here. Big fan of the show. Long time. <laughs> Long time. First time. Uh, Matt, speaking of that, I noticed a listener uh, raised a question on your Facebook this week when you shared an episode asking if you were often on this show and you had not answered that yet. I didn't even see that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Matt, is this a podcast you are frequently on? And I said, I, too, would like to know the answer to that. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I think frequent's probably fair. I agree. You just hadn't I, answered. <laughs> is it more is frequent more or less than regularly? I think they're I different. Know. You can be regular, but infrequent. I'm a new we all, we all sometimes miss. Even JR has missed one episode. Three episodes. <laughs> yes. The three, Clay and I did. Three in a decade, JR? Yeah. Wow. Um, Clay, Clay is the one who I feel like no matter what happens, even if his job or family or other things gets in the way, he's going to be here. Yeah. Without fail, I'm the I'm the rock. Like when you look at the next ten episodes or so, Clay, what's your feeling about it? I mean, I'm the rock. You can build the show upon. I think we all <laughs> that's, that's know that. End quote. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's uh, let's maybe save a big update for later on in the show. Oh, ooh la la! But Jamie, wow, you must teased, listen to the entire episode. You teased a whole feral hogs episode. Uh, update. That's right. That's right. Well, you, you know. Uh, listen, fascinating fans know that we have long been tracking the feral hog epidemic in this country uh, mm. ever since the uh, farmer in Arkansas suggested that he needed an assault, assault rifle for the 30 to 50 feral hogs that might come and threaten his children. And we found out that that's maybe not quite as big a joke as we thought. I mean, the Zeitgeist, well, out. we were ahead of this. This is really yeah. becoming one of the defining issues of our time, it sounds like. And yes. uh, we broke the story here. <laughs> well, right. it turns out that there is a strain of high, I almost said mutant, hybrid hogs making their hybrid. way down from Canada. So, again, if y'all had listened and built that wall, we would be safe right now. But <laughs> I know we're all worried Wait, about the southern border, but now we've got Man. these crazy super pigs. What are they hybrid with? They're hybrid farm pigs. Yeah. And, and wild birds. boars. It's just two oh. days a week they work remotely, Matt. And yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so they oh, were originally no. bred to be hardier. They were bred for cold resistance because apparently mm-hmm. up in Canada, it's pretty chilly a lot of the time. And then um, there was some there was some uh, climate issues and some economic issues that caused farmers to need a downscale. And so they just let these hybrid hogs free into the wild. Mm, what? And because they will eat about anything and because they're bred to be super hardy, uh, some journalists who are given to exaggeration might say nigh invulnerable. Mm. Uh, these hogs have taken over the ecosystem. They'll eat they'll eat goslings, which are baby geese. Oh, well, that duck. sentence could have gone a much different direction. Wait, <laughs> Ryan Gosling is from Canada. <laughs> yeah, I was very afraid. From, um, um, they probably would eat Ryan Gosling. Any Snatch fans know that a, a, a small team of pigs can eat a human body. That's um, true. So... Uh, all of that to say, they're now making their way down into the United States. And again, anywhere they go, not only do they destroy the crops by digging up and eating them, but they also wreak havoc on uh, particularly wildlife in streams and rivers. Mm. And so this is a, this is becoming a major concern. They really Wait, what they, do they, they put eat the, out of streams and rivers other than goslings? That's it. Like all of the fish? waterfowl. Oh. No, the waterfowl. They foul the water. They like swim out there and the grab ecosystem. a gosling. <laughs> yeah, Matt. What? Well, I hate to be the one to have to say this, but it looks like we were right to reintroduce wolves because we know the natural <laughs> predator of pigs is wolves. So Matt, we're giant pandering wolves. for awards <laughs> <laughs> for your <laughs> successful indie movie. Look, I'm just trying to get on the right side of the wolves. If there are any listeners have long, sus- long suspected, Michelotus have taken money from Big Wolf. So, <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, you know it, it's much better when you're vocally against them and you can take a big turn then people are like oh even Michelotus <laughs> is on the side of the wolves <laughs> gotta keep people guessing Kat, yeah. Kathy would you say these hogs put the A in Canadian bacon oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> which A Clay there's multiple A's in the Canadian exactly. part exactly okay. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Matt, there mm. was a there was a story, a different story going around mm-hmm. the internet of okay. a man who paid a significant sum of oh, money to no. a Japanese talk about this? I just saw it in my head. company Ugh. to create a lifelike werewolf costume for him to wear. And when this was sent to you by two different members of our podcasting team, you exclaimed that an innumerable number of people which I guess is an innumerable <laughs> amount of people had sent you this on the internet. Can you confirm that? Yeah, I can't even tell you how many people sent me that article. And uh, it it came out a while ago, and I got a little like a little clutch of people sending them. But this last time, whatever happened, it must have been going viral because I had I don't know twenty people send it to me, and it's not very uh, innumerable. Yeah, but it's a it's a lot of people to send you an article. And a lot of them just sent me screenshots of that freaking wolf costume. So terrible. So it's like on my phone. Let me ask a serious question. Would you wear the wolf costume? No, I'm not going to wear the wolf costume. Why not? I don't know. Because you don't (laughs) you don't want anyone to like, look, the guy who's wearing that costume. And I told this to everyone who sent it to me. They're going to have to put that guy down. Clearly, you don't want to dress up like a wolf unless something's wrong with you. Twenty-five thousand dollars. Trying to eat children or something. So you don't you don't feel like this would um, help you overcome your phobia of wolves? No. Look, if you wore the wolf costume, wouldn't you be worried then that you'd see a woodsman? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sorry, Clay, you had the exact amount that this costume cost. It was between twenty-three and twenty-seven. I can't remember which of those okay, numbers. Okay, so a lot, a lot of money. Yeah, it yeah. was. I mean, it that's was commitment. That pretty, was commitment. It was pretty good looking. Like it looked wolfish. It looked better than some special effect wolves I've seen. You've spent time with an actual wolf IRL. I have. I was telling Krista about this, actually, because uh, my time with the real wolf, that wolf was lovely. And I think it just showed some of my own biases and uh, Mm. prejudice. Because the actual wolf I know is delightful. (laughs) It's just all the wolves I don't know that I hate. I have a lot of friends who are wolves. I, oh, I just need to I just need to tell you we are not planning this daisy chaining. But Matt, speaking of the time you spent with the real wolf, do you want to share a little bit about being nominated for an award oh, for yeah. a movie that you wrote? 
Yeah, so uh, my movie Legacy Peak uh, was up for a movie guide, like, um, it's like movie of the year, basically, on a streaming platform, um, which we didn't win, but we were up for it. And as I like to say, it's just nice to be nominated, just an honor to be nominated. I mean, this is a pretty um, big deal because this is your first movie that you wrote that yeah. got all the way through production. Yeah, for sure. It was a it was definitely a moment of like, yeah, it. I know that everyone says that it's an honor to be nominated, but that's literally how I felt. I was like, oh, just getting nominated feels like an accomplishment. That's cool that someone noticed it, cared about the movie and put it on the list. You know, every time I see the uh, the the cover art, I think of 42, the Jackie Robinson story, because he played uh, the main actor oh. in Legacy Peak, played Pee Wee yep. Reese. Yep. Oh. Yep. Yep. I do not recall a wolf in Jackie Robinson. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I was very confused as to the connection. I thought we were still on the wolves part. Yeah. So. Well, that's very cool. Congrats. Um, thank you. I know you have lots of other projects in the works that you so many still can't talk to us about. <laughs> but it's true. We we are excited. so many. Are you allowed to I'm, talk about the other wolf related one? <laughs> How many wolf related projects do you have? Wolf. Oh, no. No, I'm not. Okay. I, I was okay. like, which one is that? And I was like, no, dang it. Okay, I can say this, though. Um, I got offered a job writing a graphic novel that is an adaptation of someone else's work, which I can't go into yet because we haven't technically signed the contracts. It's the wolf from the Big Bad Wolf. No, but I realized as I was work. reading this person's He's book. He's getting wolf money. It's real. It is He's being paid money. off by wolves. I am owned by Big Wolf. No, it turns out there's like wolf people characters in these books. I was like, an entire Are you race, right? Joking yeah. me. Yes. So Matt, anyway. Matt goes to Hollywood My and immediately future. they're like, okay, screenwriting wolf. 101. Just work out your issues through your scripts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Three straight wolf movies later. <laughs> um, well, we look forward to hearing more updates when you are allowed to share them. Um, but for now, I think, you know, we always do what's fascinating us, but I thought it'd be fun because we've trimmed it way down. And because some of us were want to take two or even three uh, picks, some of us, we, we really you. stopped that. So some <laughs> of the stuff that we've been enjoying, particularly because we've just come back from break, hasn't gotten really a chance to shine. So I would love to hear uh, maybe if we could talk about one thing we've been reading or listening to that we've really enjoyed. And then maybe something, you know, that we have been watching that otherwise wouldn't necessarily make it under what's been fascinating us. But, you know, something you wanted to shout out. Uh, so, Clay, Clay, what about you? You haven't even been here for the What's Fascinating for the last couple of weeks. So surely you've got a, a giant stockpile of media you're ready to just unleash upon. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have a, I have a bit of a stockpile. I mean, have it, has anybody talked about Poker Face? Nope, I don't no. think so. Oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed. Well, first of all, I still love like Columbo, the original series, the TV. I grew up watching the TV movies. Now, Clay, when with the conversation around Poker Face, I've realized that a lot of people, including someone like my wife, right, mm -hmm. have never seen an episode of Columbo. Right. So, will you like walk us through like what sets that show apart from a lot of other detective shows? Yes. Well, the best way to do that is to use Ryan Johnson, the creator of Knives Out and Glass Onion, who created Poker Face, his phrase. He said, he said, yeah, I've kind of done the who done it. Now I wanted to do the how catch him. And if you ever watched a Columbo episode, you spend an uh, adequate amount of time without the main character just watching someone plan and execute a murder. So you know exactly who did it and how they did it. And it's a very nice take on just murder mystery in general, right? Because now it's about how will this detective, our hero, capture the bad guy or gal? And what happens is he, he shows up like kind of frumpy, never dressed well, junky old car, looks like he's constantly like confused about where he left his keys. Smoking a uh, And cigar. he just basically gets the bad guy's ego to trip them up, right? But it also, it would always touch on technology. Yeah. Like there would be something he would have to learn about in this world. And that would be by, by basically learning from the people, he would figure out how they did it. And famously, Steven Spielberg directed one of the uh, season one of Columbo episodes. So if you want to go back and really watch like the original kind of Spielberg take, um, that's kind of neat. But yeah, this character was just around forever. And Ryan Johnson said it's, it, I mean, it's directly an homage. When you watch Poker Face, it's exactly the same format. The storytelling's great, 
And the cover art, like when the titles come up, it's literally the Columbo font, you know, 50 years later and all that. So <laughs> I just, I love it. Natasha Leone is the EP. The, she's the principal. There's guest stars in every episode. I haven't watched a bad one yet. So what's the, uh, Clay, what's the basic, it's not, it's Columbo, but a girl. Like what's that's the, right. um, what's the actual. Yeah. He, she's not a, she's not a detective. She's not a police officer. In fact, because eye, of her nothing. scenarios, she has to kind of avoid law enforcement. So it kind of takes on the, uh, the TV incredible Hulk or the fugitive where like we're going from town to town kind of every episode. And there hasn't been one of those in a long time. So yeah, big fan of Poker Face. And she she can, like, sense pe- if people are lying or something, though? Doesn't she have some special... She can literally ability? tell when someone's lying by their face. Uh-oh, got mm-hmm. it. Which is why this story kind of starts off in Vegas. and It's just great. It's it's a total... I was so excited about it. Um, that's definitely what I've been watching. And I actually got Jen to finally start watching Lost. It only took 18 years. But um, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I like. I was like, look, the thing that divides people is, you know, the ending. I said, you're going to like it more than most people. She didn't even know there was like a monster in it. So that was kind of fun. She's like, she's letting me have a week of I told you so's because she's immediately hooked, you know, as, as I knew she would be. <laughs> I love that show. So that's, that's kind of we been a fun little rewatch. Show. Yeah, it, like people, love people like show. form their Sunday nights around it for a long time. Oh, totally. We, we had threw a party parties. Yeah. yeah, us too. We threw parties and then for the season finale and then the start of the season, we threw like the theme party. So oh, we had yeah? people like come dressed up. <laughs> we did like food with the labels. And then I made like baby huh. onesies for people wow. with like the... The logo and everything. Oh, my so, baby. Yeah. So we were a little bit into it. That's yeah, awesome. that's that's super fun. Yeah, yeah we had we had fun. rules. Like you weren't allowed to speak during the show. Because you can go back and watch it online or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think you could you could record it, right? But yeah, right. so everyone had to be silent during the show. And during the commercials, we'd just be like fighting with each other. Here's what's happening. I think uh, <laughs> Yeah, and and everybody is of course like you know almost twenty years on, so famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've done oh, so yeah. many other things. Yep. So that's been kind of that's been. Kind but of not cool. the smoke monster. No, I hardly ever see him in anything these days. I know it's it's true. So I'll be it's really interested. Fair. I can kind of do what you know, like when I started watching Game of Thrones and everybody was four seasons ahead, they could check in with me. Like, what do you think of this character? What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I get to play that game now with with Jen. So that's kind of fun too. <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah, that's know. that's what I've been watching, and um, I've been oh, reading no. a great book you guys have talked about called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. <gasps> oh, I just pulled that up as the thing that I'm fascinated by. Oh my goodness, I am. Are you so, done with it? I am three. I am almost done with it. Oh, it it's is, so good. I don't know why it's called YA. It feels more like lit fiction, but it's like the most engaging literary fiction. It's just it's just really really well told story. I would love to talk about it more, but I've taken up enough time. Um, Kathy, what, what sounds like you're getting into that book next? Oh, I finished it. So that's why I asked you if you were done with it. And I actually listened to the audio book. That's what I'm doing. Um, and I, I was finding excuses to be on long walks, which (laughs) is really hard when it's cold outside. Yeah. Um, but really, so, okay. The side note is I agree with you. I am fascinated by what gets labeled as YA these days. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? Because it feels like, wow, this is really like there's heavy stuff. And I don't recall reading like the stuff I read in this age range. I was like, oh, I'm not maybe not as heavy, not as I don't know. I told so, JR, I literally went to look, is this literary fiction? And no. everybody online was like, this is a YA novel. And I was like, that does not seem right. Right? So uh, apparently we underestimate the reading comprehension capacity of young adults. Because this also feels like, wow, really? Young adults want this. So anyway, I love, I really love the book. It was recommended over and over. And I thought, I don't know, video games? <laughs> it's not my thing. But um, virtual storytellers. Uh, virtual storytellers. And so I did appreciate that part because that is what my boys who love video games tell me over and over that it's about as much about the storytelling in the 
the game as it is about playing the game and then playing the story out as a participant of the game. And so this book takes that to that level of telling us the story around the games, around the relationships, and um, and the lives of people in a very fictional way, how that plays out. So I was quite fascinated by it because this is not a world that I personally live in, like the gaming thing. So I don't know about the three of you. So video games was never a thing for me. Maybe like Pac-Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Pong, right? Like very early, like the Odyssey game system and basic coding, that kind of thing. I was a part of way back, like in this, would that have been like the 80s? Mm-hmm. Um, but video gaming as it is now, I'm, I just listen to my boys play. So that's why this for me was so fascinating. So you're listening to it, Clay. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's you love I, it? uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in. I was I was processing some of my trauma with Jr. the other day through text, and I was like, okay, I got to go to bed. But you know, this 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 story right here is hanging out. I'm gonna not resolve it till tomorrow. And um, I I guess I can now reach out to you too. But I've only got a couple hours left. And okay, it definitely is, a fun read. It's yeah, it's, it is an incredible book. I've just really been delighted in it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it addresses trauma and identity, disability, and in a way, I was surprised at how um, invested I was in these friendships and relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because they start out so young and go through kind of formative years, and I suppose that part of it is I've hit a certain age where I'm realizing those friendships that I've had for the, you know, most of my life, we are all starting to enter into this different season and looking at life a little differently now that we are getting older and our parents are getting older or have already passed. Um, So yes, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. That is such a great pick. Yeah, so good. And I don't know if any... JR, you've read it? Did you read it or listen to it? I read it. Okay, so that's the other thing these days. I've been spending more time in audiobooks. So that's the other thing that I'm fascinated by. I'm trying to... I'm realizing I don't have as much time, at least in the last couple of weeks, to sit down and read because I... I feel like I need blocks of time to get my brain in focus to actually sit down and read. But I'm up and about doing things that I can actually just listen to. And so instead of podcasts, I'm way behind on my podcasts and have not been paying attention to what's going on in the world. I've been listening to audiobooks and trying to figure out what kind of audiobooks work best for me in that kind of listening mode and how that's changing the way I'm feeling and experiencing life. So it actually has been very good for me to not listen to my news podcasts. Um, So I feel a little disconnected from the comings and goings of the world, but not totally because I am still seeing all of the (laughs) updates online. How can can you possibly be totally removed, right? Yeah, it's... Right. But I think mentally, for my mental health, it has actually been good for the last month to not be listening to so many news podcasts and just fill my brain. Was that a conscious decision? It was, okay, actually. um, Because I realized I was spending a lot of time listening because I was lis- like I was looking at my podcast queue and then realized as I was adding that all up I was like actually I could listen to a bunch of other things like books. And so I've gone through like memoir, fiction, fantasy, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um and personally I'm finding I can listen to anything. Well, <laughs> there isn't like one thing that works better. 
memoir uh, for sure can be one of those ones where I want to hear the person tell if they're if they're reading their own. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy going that way. There are certain narrators. I've been I've been an audiobook nerd for so many years, literally back to the eighties on cassette tapes. Like yeah. I have like my favorite narrators. I could like I could like rattle off the seven best narrators. And when you find someone like that who just tells a story so incredibly, um, then I'll literally look like, okay, I'm going to buy this book. It's on Kindle. It's on Audible. If I see a certain narrator name, like mm-hmm. I'm all the way in. I'm definitely going to listen to that person read the story. So that's that's kind of fun too to find who you're. And and conversely, there are some narrators who can kind of like. I just I I just like basically deleted a book from my phone because it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. But the reading mm. was so wooden and stilted and terrible. I was like, however uninteresting this book was going to be, it's like even less so with this narrator. Yeah. So that that can be, you know, an unfortunate turn as well. But that's fun. The auto the audio book journey is a fun one. Yeah, we. I mean, I used to listen to cassettes, and then for a while, when the kids were little, we would rent, um, borrow books at the library on CDs back in the day. Um, but now it's super easy to borrow books through the public library. I'm a big fan. I'm willing to wait for books. So um, that has been my thing lately to cut off some of the news podcasts. I need a break before mm-hmm. the next so, round. Um, so I want to talk about a movie that mm-hmm. I saw that I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure none of the rest of you saw. Um, because it was only in theaters for one night. <laughs> and that is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> oh. I, I love the title. I that was love the Milf Manor, the movie. Uh, no, I can happily talk about. Oh, for, okay. For real, though. Guess who showed up? You'll never guess. But guess who showed up in season five of Milf Manor as a contestant? Season five? It has sorry, five episode seasons? Five. Episode five. Episode five. I was like, good Lord. They make these things so fast. Lita um, Ford. Uh, Lisa Wilcox Oswald. from oh. Nightmare on Elm Street fame. <laughs> oh. And she didn't like, she just came on as Lisa and her son was like, yeah, my mom used to be an actress back in the 80s and she's still like real bubbly and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is Lisa Wilcox. Like she's a horror icon. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, Amazing. that's Milf Manor. Uh, don't worry, it's still as trashy as you think. Uh, probably worse. Um, Amazing. So, no, Winnie the, Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is a slasher movie about Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. And it the trailer for it dropped on New Year's Day, I think last year or two years ago, whenever it was that Winnie the Pooh officially entered into public domain. Um, which means, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. And so this this unauthor- very unauthorized uh, movie was was uh, the trailer was dropped. And then actually, because of the success of Terrifier 2 at the end of last year, which was a very low budget Kickstarter horror sequel that ended up making, um, I think, like several, I think dozens of millions of dollars at the box office on like a three hundred thousand dollar budget. Um some of these other very independent horror films are now getting a shot to at least do like one one night in the theater. Uh, I will say that this movie was very bad. <laughs> um, pretty much all the way around. Like and I've I have I have been learning. Uh, this might sound silly, but I've learned I've been learning to appreciate low budget films and not just judge them because they have low like low quality special effects or you know shaky editing or you know actors who are not a list actors like i like i understand like that's those are things that i am happy to overlook or even sometimes embrace as part of the charm of the low budget that, that was can not be, why this that's movie kind was of the bad. history of horror films too right absolutely, like there's a lot absolutely. of shoestring horror out there yeah and a lot of the reason practical effects are such a big part of horror because you can you know if you get real creative with uh kitchen uh ingredients you can make some pretty goopy looking stuff you know so um but this movie like if you're gonna if you're gonna do a like a a childhood thing that grows up to become scary i need it to have some kind of thematic resonance otherwise it's just a gimmick and this didn't have that so it was just a gimmick it was just a gimmick um so it could have literally been feral bear feral hog 
but instead it was it could have been guy wearing a mask other guy wearing a mask right i mean there was too bad because there was so much potential right even in my mind like oh yes and the title i mean come on this is it right i think you hit it you hit the nail on the head kathy when you hear the title you're like oh I have some expectations about what could be possible here. And what you yes. want is for the director. It's kind of like in comedy where you never you never tell the first joke you think of. Right. You want to like go past that and try not to just do the obvious. This was like he was like, Haha, what if we did this? OK, here, we're just going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, none of the kills were even like anything that you haven't seen in another slasher movie somewhere, which I feel like, again, if you're going to do like, yeah, sentient bear and pig that were abandoned by Christopher Robin and have attachment issues, um, you should probably do something a little more creative. Right. Um, like so nobody got drowned in honey or saying. Nope. My favorite weird thing that they included, which was like, this was like the one thing that I was like, okay, if you had done more of this, I think it would have worked better. Apparently Winnie the Pooh can control bees. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> well, you know, the honey, the honey thing, right? It's I just like, I feel thing. like that's stepping <laughs> outside of canon, uh, but okay, go on. Yeah. So anyway, it, it was a big swing and a miss. Um, this director has already said he has plans for an entire, like, I'm going to ruin your childhood Avengers style <laughs> universe with like Bambi and Peter Pan and some of these other things that exist in the public domain. So eventually he's going to pit. It's going to be like a Pooh versus Bambi sort of a thing. Um, Bambi Pooh. Yeah. The sequel. Uh, but yeah, honestly, it was it was not great. Um, I, I, I think it was actually smart for them to only release it for one night. Because I think if they had even done a whole weekend, it would have had a big Friday night with people like me just going to see it for the schlock value of it. But then the word of mouth would have been so bad. I think it Mm -hmm. would have like bottomed out. Killed it off. Yeah. Well, it's not going to ruin my childhood because Bambi, Peter Pan, Pooh, Pinocchio. I care about none of these things. Yeah, that wasn't really. I mean, I knew about them in my childhood, but I'm just fascinated by it because, you know the potential of it. Right. Right. And it was the potential. It sounds weird to say that I was sad about it, but it it did feel like a squandered opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. That's too bad. Well, you saved me some time. There you go. Yeah. Don't, don't bother is what I'm saying. So, (laughs) Oh, how about a reality show? Is it Milf Manor? (laughs) I haven't worked my way up to Milf Manor yet. Um, no, so Micah, Krista, and I have been watching a cooking show, one of Chef Ramsay's shows called Next Level Kitchen. Have you guys heard about yes. this? Yes. Oh man, oh. season one was great. Super fun. Yeah, we're in season one right now. So basically, there's whatever, 30 contestants, there's three teams, and the three judges, uh, so Ramsay and then two other judges get to pick their teams and then there's three different kitchens. So the best kitchen is like better than a professional kitchen. It has literally everything you could think of. Like almost like sci-fi gadgets. Like it's so fancy. Yeah. Just stuff that someone like me has never heard of the, so you'll be able to do any technique, any, whatever the next level is like a professional industrial kitchen. And then the bottom is like some crappy kitchen. It it's called the basement, but it's it like literally they don't have sharp knives. There's one potato masher and it's a giant one, you know, stuff like that. It sounds like my kitchen. It's it's worse. <laughs> it's it is worse. probably yeah. worse than the kitchen you cook in at your Isn't house. Isn't it like this the stove only has one burner that works? Stove has one like burner. <laughs> it sounds like the yeah. oven doesn't heat like evenly, evenly. like it's bad. <laughs> so basically what happens is everybody comes in, they cook, the all three judges uh so you get a oh, here's the other thing. They give you a so say it's Italian. It's Italian. A, there's a platform that drops from the top. It starts at the best kitchen and everybody runs over to get their stuff. So they're like, oh, filet mignon, I'll take that. Oh, you know, whatever, <laughs> pasta. And then it goes to the next, they have 30 seconds to grab whatever they can. Then it goes to the next one down. They all grab their stuff and then it goes to the basement and you get whatever's left over. So the people with the crappiest kitchen have the worst selection, theoretically. Um, 
And then, Not yeah, always. They, Sometimes a, a beautiful right, piece of protein will slip to like, the bottom or something. Maybe There was one episode where someone dropped a steak from the top floor and it went all the way to the bottom and someone washed it <laughs> off and cooked with it. Hilarious. But basically, then they eliminate people in a cook-off. They take the two lowest, at least on the front end of the season, the two lowest dishes. They fight each other. So your teams are getting smaller as you go along. So it's really fun, and it's much more... Um, at least on the front end of the season, I don't know how to get at the end. It's much more collaborative. Like people want each other to do well because you're on teams. Mm. So they're encouraging each other and the chefs, instead of like, this is terrible. I hate it. They're there to coach them. And the, the prize at the end is a bunch of money, but also a year of being coached by these three chefs personally. So it's, it's a very like positive spin on the cooking show. So I really enjoy it overall. It's been a lot of fun. And Micah's even like, Micah doesn't try a lot of different foods, but every once in a while she's like, I would try that, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like this or that thing. And season two just dropped. They actually got the Super Bowl boost. Fox oh, nice. put it on immediately after the game. So I'm sure it's going to pick up some ratings it. there. It was from an advertisement oh. or something. <laughs> It's really fun, though. You were watching the Super Bowl and then stuck around? (laughs) I had to watch it because of the Black National Anthem. So I had to be sure because I wanted to stand in my room and put my hand over my heart and make sure that everyone knew there were two Americas. Um, That was before the game, though. You didn't have to watch the the game. No, I didn't actually watch it. I'm just saying there was advertising. Anyway, Next Level Chef, super fun. The whole family could watch. There's nothing inappropriate in it. Well, there's very little inappropriate. <laughs> there's always that one chef that like food is like sex. How <laughs> sexy can it get? The the first season they had a woman on who's Navajo and she yeah. did a lot of like elevated Navajo stuff and and it was really cool to see a lot of the stuff she created. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a good show. Well, that's awesome. Making my stomach roll. Um well, hey, let's talk a little bit about Quantum Mania. I know it just came out, and not all of us have even seen it. Wait, who has seen it? I saw it. All of I us saw except it. Kathy Clay. saw it. Okay, everyone mm. but Clay. I'm the odd man out. Yeah, you are. So, Clay, talk- you guys make me feel so small sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care about this movie? Do I care about it? Yeah. <laughs> not really. Would I mean, you, I <laughs> would you marry it? <laughs> we're gonna leave it in an apartment and we're gonna make thirty thousand dollars um i would i have never not enjoyed paul rudd put it that way uh and i'm sure that i would enjoy you know just kind of putting this one on i could care less though if it's spoiled for me uh kathy any expectations going into this one did no. you just go for the boys or were you excitedly skipping the boys as in peter and corbin yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I just I tag along uh, for the ride. I, You know, Ant-Man is campy and funny, but it definitely isn't one of those like I, you know, I wasn't waiting for the release date that wasn't on my radar. But Corbin definitely was like, we should go see it. We love to see these movies on opening night. And I'm like, well, you know. Do we, was, Corbin? Do we? You know what? It was super fun maybe 10, 15 years ago. And now we are of the age where it's like borderline dangerous because it becomes a long nap for one of us. Peter, we, call that the, Peter. we call that the clay, Kathy. Okay. Well, we call it the Peter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, you know, I know you and I had talked a little bit about it, had, a, had some m- mixed buzz going in. Yeah, I had heard all these. No, I hadn't read any review, but all the headlines were like the the worst Marvel movie of all. <laughs> it's it's the lowest Rotten Tomato score ever. Audiences are not split; they hate it. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but then they're also saying the worst TV show is She Hulk. I was like, oh, that's not true. Um, yeah. So I was like, I don't know what it'll be. And then I went and uh, I thought it was the most comic booky of these movies in a long time. Like, I thought it was really funny and enjoyable and and dumb in all the best comic book ways. So I had a good time. I walked out and was like, this is nowhere near the worst Marvel movie. I bet it's better than Iron Man 2. <laughs> oh, we're going to set JR off again. Uh-oh. No, that's Iron Man 3. Oh, Iron Man 3. Oh, Iron okay. Man 3 is better than Iron Man 2. I mean, it was, it was okay. The movie was okay. And it felt very much like Star Wars. 
visually. Mm. I at some point I was thinking that, and then Peter kind of woke up briefly, and I looked. <laughs> he rolled. Over. I looked over at him, and I was like, "This is like Star Wars." He's like, "Yeah, this is weird." And then he went back to sleep. Kathy, can I ask an important question? Yes. Is it like, is it like the bad Star Wars movies or the good ones? <laughs> the good ones that J.J. Abrams made. Like the bad. You you say that like J.J. Abrams was not responsible for arguably maybe the worst of the Star Wars, which is episode nine. Uh, It's better than episode four. Well, so visually it was like, uh, and then, oh my gosh, we're going to have this fight again. I know. I love saying these things because I know that like, I'm sorry, someone's going to like drive off the road right now because they like their whole life hinges on what people think of episode four. <laughs> no, it's just it's just that in even in a universe where all opinions are valid, that is a terrible take. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have to try to match your level of terrible takes sometimes, Jerry. It's not easy. Um, <laughs> I do have to tell you guys, it was Micah and I, and I told Micah she could bring a friend. So she invited her best friend. So got these two 13-year-olds, and her friend has never seen an Ant-Man movie and maybe only a couple Marvel movies. So before we got there, I was like, do you kind of know what you're getting into? She's like, I have no idea. I said, well, (laughs) Ant-Man can go very small. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. And and Micah goes, but if he gets too small, he shrinks down into a realm that is somehow always in the same place, even though it's very small, it's everywhere. And she was like, what? And she's like, also, he can get very big. And she's like, ants can't get very big. And, and then she was like, and also he can talk to ants. She was like, what? And they were like, also, there's a woman named the wasp. And she's like, oh, she can control wasps. We're like, no. But why is she called the wasp? <laughs> because she is a small woman who can fly. She has wings. She's like. And she stings. She was like, blasters. I, uh, mm. so there was a little, there was a little confusion there. Going in. Should she have been called Ant-Man and Queen Ant? Mm. <laughs> and then right as we walked in, she looks up at the, the marquee and she goes, Ant-Man 3? This is the <laughs> third one? <laughs> uh, yes. We really enjoyed it. Uh, it. In that it's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Um, I compared it earlier when Matt and I were talking about it to the prologue of a book, right? This is supposed to be setting up the next big saga with Kang and all of that. And yeah, prologues are rarely the best or the most interesting part of a book, but they get the job done, right? If they do their, if they do their job, they're interesting, they're fun. They hold your attention. They kind of set up the stakes. And I thought this did that. I loved getting the introduction of Cassie Lang as a super, you know, one of the young Avengers. I loved, I thought Kang was great. Uh, Amanda looked over at me at one point, Kathy, and said the same thing. She was like, this is very, very Star Wars and in the best ways, right? In the, in the like weird creatures hanging out, being weird, um, you know, I was supposed to write an article on Sojourner or for Sojourners, and I emailed my editor the next day with the subject line Ant Meh. And I was like, I just, you know, I could I could force something here, but there's really not enough substance to warrant a, any kind of real reflection. And she was like, that's fine. Let's skip it. You know, what was the original article going to be like? Did you have a well, I don't know? Like, well, OK, I will say this. The trailer makes it seem like Scott Lang is going to help Kang do whatever Kang wants to do because he regrets having been blipped away and missing out on five years with his daughter. Um, a deal that with is the not devil. A, yeah, that is not at all. I mean, that I think there is a line in the film that suggests that, and then like that conflict is gone. Kang very quickly is like, well, if you don't help me, I'll murder your daughter. <laughs> That's a little different. And so it's, it's a completely different set of stakes, right? So I was I was originally thinking about whenever whenever we we have this kind of deal, I always pitch something, and I'm like, this from the trailers, this kind of seems like what the movie might be like. So it might go in this direction, but we also have a kind of an understanding that like I have a little bit of leeway to change the pitch if the film is not well represented by the trailer. So when that wasn't what was there and it just became a pretty typical, like who can punch who the hardest, you know? Um, yeah. And that got boring. Honestly, yeah. um, I just was like, can we get on with it? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers here, but there is one character that when they arrived was so weird and uncomfortable that my 13 year old started snorting. She was laughing so hard in the theater. And every time this character came on, on screen 
like they just appeared. It was uncontrollable laughter. And I was like, like <laughs> this might be the funniest movie this kid has ever seen. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is that is one of the, that is one of those characters. And I this is what I think the MCU does so well. They take a comic book character who just you're like that, that character just won't work on the big screen. Like in, in a cinematic universe kind of thing. I'm like a comic book, sure, whatever. And then the way they decide to interpret that character is so clever and comp- often often requires some kind of big change. Um, my my favorite example of this is what they did with, I was about to say the Mandalorian, the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, hmm. uh, where you have this character who is a deeply racist caricature that even when they said he was going to come to the big screen, people were like, Ooh, that is Ugh, not a great bad idea. idea. <laughs> bad idea. Yeah. And then what they did with him by basically turning him into exactly that. He is a white guy who right. is a joke, who is appropriating. And that's like all part of like, that's all part of it. I was like, man, that is so smart. Like that is such a great way to bring that villain into this cinematic universe. You know, now of course they're retconning a little bit of that with Shang-Chi and, you know, and then it's Asian people making fun of white people. And okay, that's all cool too. But like in our, and again, a lot of the comic book fans were like, no, give us our racist stereotype. How dare you? <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, I think like that, I think with this character that Matt's talking about, we have another example of that when it was like, this character is going to be an Ant-Man three. I was like, Oh, it's not just not going to work. And then, Oh boy, did it work for me? Well, as the Asian representative on this podcast, I want our listeners to make sure that I don't make fun of white people. <laughs> Never really. Mm, sure, definitely. Mm. Is it definitely. just that we're is it just that we're so sensitive, Kathy, that we think we're, you're making fun? So you don't anyway, understand I, my sense of humor. <laughs> hey, um, spe- well, it's so exotic. Your sense of humor. Yes, it is. <laughs> Can I just ask you guys while we're on the? topic of marvel characters yes so basically I, I i i am almost all the way fulfilled all the characters i've wanted to see have great stories told have, have happened now we've even got all the street level my favorites but when is it going to be time for the silver server to finally get something right and galactus probably I want, pretty soon like the silver surfer is the last holdout for me norin rad Galactus, however they decide to do it, like that's the one that's left. I mean, tell. they're rebooting Fantastic Four, so that's where that would live. It doesn't have to be Fantastic. In fact, I would prefer it's not Fantastic Four. Like, uh, I don't want Silver Surfer to be this add-on. It will it's going to be Fantastic Four. And, I mean, they have Celestials, right? They introduced those really hard with the yeah. Eternals. Right. Um, so, it's it's all the groundwork is there. And, yeah, I'd, I'd expect it's... My guess is that's going to be Fantastic Four 2. Hmm. That's Sorry, have to wait through forty one of them. Or you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we get a tease for that <laughs> in the Marvels or Guardians Three. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of cosmic Marvel out there. You guys just skipped right over my math joke. I didn't hear I did, it. I did miss it. You said I you did. thought it's going to be Fantastic Four too, and I said I got to wait through forty one of these movies. Oh. <laughs> I did skip right over that. You're correct. <laughs> um, Apparently, so what do you, what do you guys caffeine? So Ant Man, what are you guys grade it? Like, what's your rating? I think I gave it a C or a C plus. C C minus. I don't know. I liked it a little better than that. I put it in the <laughs> B category. Mm, so it's a B movie. I thought it was good. It was yeah, an B, ant movie. B man. <laughs> um, let's talk. I just want to hear a little bit. So so again, the big the big thing in this movie was was properly introducing Kang the Conqueror. Right, we got him in Loki. Uh, as one version of Kang, but this was this was the one that's supposed to be the big threat going forward in the multiverse saga, which is the, mm. the follow up to the Infinity Stones, right? Uh, so I'm curious, what did you think of Kang, Kathy? Given that he's uh, maybe maybe a distant relative, <laughs> you know, like I is was this just going to say <laughs> this is how I allowed people to mispronounce my name. <laughs> All the way up through, up until I got to college. And that's when I started correcting people. And my high school friends were like, wait, what? Did you change your last name? And I was like, no, I just never corrected you. But here I will say, I keep calling him Kong the Conqueror because of you, because of my friendship (laughs) with you. Kong the Conqueror. Not a loyalty. I just like when I see that, I'm like, you say it Kong. That's how you say it. Right, right. So, Yeah. Yeah. So that aside, are you that excited aside. for the multiverse saga? Do you like Jonathan Majors as Kang? Like what? So I don't have like 
history with Marvel. Like I didn't read the comic books, so I didn't grow up with any of that. I don't, um, so I'm uh, sort of related by, you know, last name. So clearly we've got some connection there. The storyline in the movie was fascinating and will be interesting to see flushed out and a good topic of conversation, I think, around choices, <laughs> right? Like what, what bad choices do you make because the outcome could be good or you think will be good and other people see that choice as being bad. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a beautiful human being. So <laughs> that makes it interesting. <laughs> Let's just be honest. So far more interesting than like Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is just Aww. not, I mean, he's funny. You mean sexiest man alive? Four years ago, Paul Rudd? Yeah, I don't... I disagree. He's a skinny little white man. I disagree. There are are other sexy, skinny white men. I just don't (laughs) think of Paul Rudd in that way. Our Kong the Conqueror was not consulted on that choice. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, Jonathan Major is probably the reason Jen will want to see this one. She skipped. We've watched the entire MCU, and I think she skipped like every Ant Man movie. It's like the only character she skipped. I mean, here's the thing about the Ant Man movies, right? They are by, I mean, and yeah, haha, it's a joke, right? But they're by design small, slight films, right? I mean, if you think about in the the movie that came out after Infinity War, where everyone gets snapped away, was Ant Man and the Wasp, yeah, and it's this like light, breezy heist movie. It's the sorbet of the MCU. That, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, that's how these movies are designed. Um, I think, in fact, I think that Ant-Man was the movie that came out after, or maybe right after Avengers or after Civil War. But again, it also dropped after, like, a big, crazy, high stakes, you know. So the fact that this movie is just kind of, like, fun and forgettable, like, yeah, I it's in keeping with the other Ant-Man movies. Yeah. And I don't begrudge. I, I Matt, I think your point is great, right? This is very comic booky. And yeah, in the mm-hmm. comics, you've got your big giant crossover events that have high stakes and people live and die and it's all universe. And then you've just got your fun breezy. Like I just wanted to read a book that maybe get, you know, chuckle a little bit and had some cool fights. Like that's what I thought. Kang was amazing. It's by far the best version of Kang. Um, so fun, so scary and bad. And the whole multiverse thing, I feel like, is pulling in something from the comics that is the worst. It's the <laughs> thing that kills comics for people. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's corporate storytelling designed to make sure that your cash cow characters never disappear. And that's what they're going to use it for. And I'm cynical and sad. You know, like, I just saw this morning Scarlett Johansson, who I think is amazing. Uh, just signed up for three more Marvel movies because oh, they're gonna Lord. they're gonna bring her back, right? She a different version of her from another universe is gonna be in Secret Wars or something, which is fine, but it just it leeches out any emotion to like Tony Stark is dead. Well, is not, he? There's like nine billion of them still alive. Oh, Captain America is old. Nope, he's a Nazi and he's still Chris Evans. You know. Um, also, he's, you know, whatever. So I don't know. That's where it starts. The storytelling starts getting to where I'm like, so it doesn't matter. You, yeah, you exactly. Know, just keep going forever. And I think I think one of the original strengths of the MCU was you had these actors who were going to age out of these roles, and so there were like there was like a there was like an outside impetus to give them meaningful arcs. And I'll tell you, I've mentioned, I think on last week or the week before, I've been watching the MCU movies with the 12 year old in our house. And when Tony died in Endgame, she was absolutely devastated. Like she was very invested in him as a character and had been through all the movies. And even though he was not her, he was not even in her top five favorite. Like it was really meaningful to her when he, when he sacrificed himself. And yeah, like you're right, Matt, like it's just by by opening this up and now it now we can have different actors playing them. Right. So, oh, we pulled in a Tony Stark who's only 15. And so now he's going to be in the Young Avengers. He's and, played by you know, Tom what, Cruise. Right. Whatever. <laughs> um, 
it's funny because I oh, I'm with you. Like they they stop being compelling when nothing really matters. But now, like at this stage of my life, I I get excited about the press release that she signed on for three. Because then I'm like, oh, what's the contract? Then I start running the numbers, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> she's getting like the, the exciting part is thinking about how much money she's making per movie, and I'm running numbers. Then the actual like stories are going to be useless. Well. But, like, and I'm for invested her. for ScarJo because she, you know, has once played an Asian. So, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> another 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 actor another. who might be related to you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, we would love to hear what y'all think of Ant-Man. And uh, we are about out of time for this episode. But, uh, Clay, I think you probably have the biggest update of all of us. Kathy, Matt, anything else? Any any updates you can share? I didn't. All secret. Sorry. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> I don't have anything new that I can share yet either. So, Clay, why don't you blow our minds? Well, I wouldn't say it's mind blowing, but. Um, it probably so- is for people who don't know, Clay. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I'm starting a new job. What? Next week. I am selling my house Whoa. in Dallas. And Jen and I are going to move to Manhattan. Whoa. New York City. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I feel like there's something that's supposed to be secret, but not really. Manhattan, so. Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, someone actually said to me, like, which Manhattan? <laughs> which Manhattan? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? Manhattan, Kansas what? is home to K-State University. It's no mm-hmm. slouch of a town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wow. very similar. To, I've never to heard of it. City. So, yeah, I'm, it's I'm going shocked to- by that, you liberal <laughs> left coaster. Another one of the flyover hey. states you don't care about. Wait, what was At the least- name of the state again? I don't think I've heard of that either. Kansas. Kansas. Uh, actually, a little interesting thing we should follow up on. Um, you know, Kansas is getting a bit of a reputation among the Midwest states of getting surprisingly blue. So there's some interesting stuff I've been learning. I, I have a friend here who's moving, going to move there. and uh, Interesting. But yeah, so I will be in a really kind of crazy chaotic situation for the next couple months. Uh, I'm going to have to be on the road. I'm going to be sleeping in a hotel 50% of the time at the outset here. Um, and just recording with y'all is not going to be something that is going to really be tenable unless you feel like doing it when we're all on fumes at nine o'clock at night or something, which just isn't the best for anybody. So yeah, I will, uh, I will be away for a little bit. And when we return, when I come back, I'll probably be a a Manhattanite. (laughs) Amazing. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully succeeding in my new job. Awesome. Well, Well, we'll miss having you around. But, but it's super exciting. exciting personal changes, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, all the excitement is on the other end of this uh, crazy amount of work. I I can't tell you. But, you know, a move is always miserable. And you often have to purge when you move. But there mm-hmm. is no purge like going from a four-floor house in Dallas to a New York City apartment. Yeah. Like, I have, like, decisions have been made. I have gone, th- we've been going through the emotional purge. I still got a couple of boxes of, like, you know, college stuff. It's just, it can't go with me anymore. It's got to just be like Marie kondo thank it, <laughs> burn it, take pictures if it matters. And like, uh, we are, we are su- significantly purging, which is, you know, an interesting thing at this age in life and probably something that's going to be really beneficial on the other side. You, you and Jen have already decided though, it like you and Jen will both go. You're going to both yeah. go to this apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, it's the old joke, right? We have a deal that uh, if she ever leaves me, she has to take me with her. <laughs> sounds fair to me. Well, it listeners, uh, thank you so much for being with us for yet another episode of the Fascinating Podcast. We will be back next week with another terrific episode. Until then, let us know what you've been into that you that we might have missed. Let us know what you thought of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And uh, let us know if you see any hybrid hogs, uh, because we'll dispatch no one because we have no authority over that. But we will probably talk about it on the show. Matt so, might know some wolves. Yeah, I, I can neither confirm big wolf nor deny. I'll reach out uh, to my contact in the wolf community. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was just a guy in a mask all along. Oh, no, please no. Real uh, question. Take- OK, sorry, I have to ask this. Would you rather meet a wolf in the woods? You're out there all by yourself. 
a wolf in the woods or a dude dressed in that wolf costume in the woods? Is the dude Canadian? No, <laughs> Canadian, maybe. Which would, would be scarier? Well, is it okay? I'm going to say the dude in the wolf costume because if it's a wolf, there's likely a pack of wolves, and I'm being hunted. Unless he's a lone wolf, yeah. but I don't think he I, is in this scenario. I also feel no. like a dude in the in a costume. I could potentially outrun him, whereas yeah. a wolf, even yeah. a single real wolf, or communicate. Sure, I'm. It's over. It, here's yeah. the thing: if the guy in the wolf costume tried to chase you on two legs, I think you could immediately be like, "Whoa, bro, that's not how wolves run at all," <laughs> and shame him shame into him. Get yeah, down. Yep. Four. Yep. And then you could definitely outrun him. Amazing. All right, so, that's all I needed to know. Okay, okay. thank you. Well, uh, listeners, if you have any burning questions you need us to address before you can end this episode, uh, let us know. Reach out to us on social media, facebook.com slash the fascinating podcast, or on Twitter using the hashtag fascinating. Uh, until next week, take care of yourselves out there. Take care of each other. And uh, make sure if you find any wolf pictures on the internet, you send those to Matt McLaughlin. Take care. Take <laughs> care.